What makes a great solar business? How can you learn from the past and prepare for the future so your solar business thrives? We set out to answer these questions and more. My name is Nigel Morris and I'm the Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. Welcome to Great Solar Business, proudly brought to you by Solar Juice. Well, hello, solar friends, and welcome back to yet another episode of Great Solar Business. This week, we explore yet more secrets of great solar business for 2022, and I thought we should dive into the issue around rebates, or more precisely, SDCs, LGCs, and what it means to be uh, a trader of those certificates, so sort of jumping on the other side of the fence, if you like. The small-scale certificate scheme is the bread and butter of solar under 100 kilowatts, as I'm sure you all know. It smells like a rebate, it looks like a rebate, but it isn't a rebate. Even though to solar buyers, it behaves like an upfront uh, upfront government discount, just like a rebate. Um, some argue that the scheme has been incredibly effective, particularly because of its self-adjusting capabilities and how it declines over time as technology costs fall. Others argue that it simply attracts the wrong type of companies to our industry and because of its generosity, particularly in the past. To dig into this issue, I asked Ria O'Hare, CEO of Greenbank Environmental, to join us. Ria, welcome to Great Solar Business. Hi, Nigel. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm just fine. I'm just fine. Now, Thanks for having me today. Oh, you're most very welcome. Most very welcome. And in fact, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself. But in case listeners don't know, uh, Ria has actually a terrific video series called Up on the Roof, um, which um, I, was, I was scanning through. I was stalking you on socials today again, Ria. And I have Fantastic. to say, <laughs> I have to say, that that little video series is just wonderful. You do a great job of having these terrific, honest little conversations with people. And the other thing um, that I think uh, Rhea's actually quite made quite a name for herself uh, with is is the Lady of Cardboard Signs. Yes, just, you've seen those as well. <laughs> <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a week goes by that you are just doing a really lovely, simple little job of bringing a climate issue to the fore with your holding up a cardboard sign with a nice, simple message on it. So, Rhea, first and foremost, congratulations uh, on the great work that you do. Thank you. It's all about recycling the cardboard, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can get two messages per piece of cardboard, I guess. Yeah, that's one right. On front, one on either one on side. Yeah. <laughs> so let's jump in. Um, Greenbag were one of the first companies in the environmental trading space. So what's the Greenbag story? How did you get involved? What's the story? Yeah, well, what a journey it's been, 18 years in the making, I think. Um, so essentially, my mother, Fiona O'Hare, created the business in 2003. She was working for a um, Power Solutions Australia, an inverter company. Um, so she's been in the industry for quite some time. And they released the um, 2% target and they released the requirement for all the incentives, um, which we call the STCs today as um, an assignment process. So essentially she saw this niche market and a gap in the market. Essentially no one was generating their certificates at the time. So she started to create an assignment process around that and start talking to solar farms and um, solar pumping, water pumping people and started to create their recs for her, 
for them and pay them within a, a certain period. There was, I think there was a 21-day payment term back then instead wow. of the 24 hours that we're so used to at the moment. Wow. And that was 18 years ago. And, and you know, hasn't a lot of water gone under the bridge in those 18 years? My goodness. How many now, times have we hit a review? That's, that's, <laughs> it's been plenty, interesting. Plenty, yeah. And, in fact, I saw a, I saw a, a terrific photo of you today uh, from many years ago. I don't know how many years that was, but you looked like a young lass. You're still 24. Like a young lass. 24. 24. There you yep. go. So yeah. you've been you've been deeply involved in the business. Uh, you're the CEO now and, and running the whole ship, but uh, you've been there for a long time, right? Yeah, so I started out just being right from the ground, so customer service, data entry, into the uh, verification, um, and then obviously alongside Fiona, who's my mentor um, and still is today, uh, just building the business strength for strength. Uh, I think at the height of the um, solar boom in 2000. 11 we had about 30 staff wow wow so quite a quite a big business and and lots of rides on the roller coaster the solar coaster along the way now now um solar people know stcs well but there's actually a whole lot of different types of certificates that can be traded right and and what's a summary of the i guess two questions what's a summary of the main certificates that are out there our listeners will know stcs well but they may not know so much about the others uh that's the first question secondly why have carbon certificates been in the news so much lately that's a good question. Um, so essentially you can create small technology certificates across uh, nationally, which is called STCs. You've got large scale certificates, which is anything over 100 kilowatts, and they're a generation certificate. So you create them on a quarterly basis or on an annual basis uh, for large scale solar. Then you have the Victorian Energy Efficiency Scheme, which we can create VEGS for. Um, essentially that's the decommissioning a unit. So that's hot water, uh, space heating, in-home display, commercial lighting, residential lighting, double glazed windows, and also um, project-based activities. That's only in Victoria at the moment. Um, you've also got the Eskies, and they're in um, New South Wales. Uh, and then you've got the Australian Carbon Credit Units, which is a national scheme under the ERF, the Emission Reduction Fund. That's, that's what you've seen in the papers. That's, that's been in the papers a fair bit lately, right? It has been very controversial, Yes. Yeah, very some interesting stuff coming out of that. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we perhaps won't won't dive into that, but there's so there's in essence all of these certificates kind of set out to achieve the same thing. If I'm right, and and correct me if I'm not, but they they kind of account for and acknowledge emissions reductions in various different ways. Is that the simple version? Yeah, simply. And then they also create an incentive for um, residential and commercial people to be able to get across that scheme and um, endorse those energy efficiency and the renewable sector. Right, right, because there's a value associated with it. So that's that's where the incentive is created, right. And that's that's the bit that the carbon trading one has been in the news about because uh, if you mess with the schemes, and we've seen this happen with, uh, with STCs in the past, if you mess with the schemes... Uh, then uh, businesses like yours who are counting on certain values, if the values suddenly go up dramatically or down dramatically, then you can really upset the apple cart for everyone involved. Yeah, it's very volatile, I think, across all the state-based and national schemes. Mm, mm, so VIX just went from $78 to $55. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Why? 
Uh, oversupply, they've also got some new activities coming online um, and there's some consultations in the state-based um, at the moment. Right. So, yeah, yeah. And this is the value, really, uh, I think, um, and we'll, we'll maybe touch on this, but this is the value of what companies like yours bring because you're across all these details. You understand that volatility and your role is not only to act as a trading house, but also, if I'm not mistaken, something of an advisor, right, to minimise the risk for people so that they can, you know, sell a light globe and know that they're going to get their five bucks back on it or something, right? Essentially, yeah. I think it's very difficult for installers um, and project developers to um, provide a quote for an implementation of a project, whether it be small or large. And then the price be so volatile. So um, offer it, Green Bank can offer, you know, a spot contract or a forward contract to try and hedge some of that um, uncertainty and that and fix the pricing. Yeah. We also have an Australian Financial Services Licence. So within the ACUs, you um, generally can't provide financial product advice without having an AFSL. Uh, we're not in the um, ACU market at the moment, but certainly we have been across the carbon space for the last 10 years as well and watching that evolve. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So there's a lot going on in the background to not only keep the wheels turning in your business, but actually make sure that the advice and the pricing that you're giving people out there in the market uh, insulates them from all of that. I remember when um, certificate trading first kicked off, in fact, I, I stumbled across a form for a scheme we launched back in the day when I was at BP Solar in 2007 based on, uh, on Rex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a five kilowatt system was fifty four thousand bucks, um, and and we launched this little scheme called Enviro Cashback. And I remember people looking at us strangely and going, "This will never take off. Uh, what is this all about?" You know, fifty cents a watt doesn't really make any difference. Doesn't touch the sides on a fifty four thousand dollar five kilowatt system. But of course, these days it's a material chunk of a system cost. And 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 look at where we are today. Tell me how you've seen things change in, in the, over the 18 years that you've been involved in this. What are some of the big changes you've seen? Oh, wow. So um, I think apart from the government stopped reviewing it, which is great, so in the renewable energy space anyway. So we've had some stabilisation of the whole market over the last four or five years, which has been fantastic. Um, I think the biggest changes was around the multiplier um and that's when they put the multiplier on the stcs and that's when we had the solar boom mm -hmm. um you know now it's just really more compliance requirements so you know updating our forms making sure the retailers and the cec uh, in solar installers are, are across all the compliance requirements and just making sure that we um are abreast of any changes or any recommendations that you know from electrical point of view or from the clean energy regulator point of view, that we need to make sure that we can educate our installers across that and solar retailers. Mm -hmm. So a lot around compliance, and I, and I know the clean energy regulator changed its rules three Most days recency. ago. Most recently, yeah. Yeah, three yeah. days ago. So, I mean, that's a great example, right, where this, you know, there's been a change in how this is being administered now and there's new requirements that have come in. So, you know, what, what does that mean for for you and your, and and the way that you manage the STC trading stuff? What how have you actually dealt with that? I was I was talking to an installer the other day and he was he was saying to me, oh, you know, it probably adds another 15, 20, 30 minutes to 
to the application process. There's another three forms I've got to fill out. And I said, how, how much admin do you, how much time do you spend on admin in, on a job? And he, he's small, so he doesn't have lots of sophisticated automated systems. But he said, oh, realistically, it's probably a good two hours, maybe two and a half hours of admin um, for an average solar job, which is, you know, kind of, kind of mind-blowing in a way. But what's your take the- on this? Yeah, I think it's becoming more and more um, harder for some of some people not to be able to do business as much because there's so much compliance and there's so many people across the whole installation space. Um, so we've updated our phone app and our and our portal um, to ensure that we can provide you know um, quick forms at their end. But essentially, um, the retailers just have to sign another disclaimer, and the designer has to sign over a disclaimer as well. Yeah. So, okay. So it's just another set of signatures on a couple more forms. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And making more people in the in the food chain liable, I think, for some of the installations, um, and just so the clean energy regulator and um, can actually investigate. You know, where did, where was the system sourced from? Um, when was it installed? Who installed it? How was it installed? And you know, are they meeting the code of conduct and the compliance requirements of the solar industry? Mm, mm. Yeah, and that was exactly the conversation I was having with my friend uh, Chris, the installer. Uh, was you know where's the where's the balance here between you know trying to catch the people who are doing the wrong thing versus loading up people who are doing the right thing just with never ending reams of forms and and paperwork. But I mean that's that's where our digital world can hopefully help us and if, if it's uh, streamlined through the services that you've got. So so that's awesome. Speaking of which, the, the, the big question, that, and there hasn't been so much debate about this lately, but, you know, as the value of the STCs declines each year and goes down each year, you know, that sort of takes away the incentive, I guess, but at the same time... Um, that theoretically will mean that it's a less attractive industry for people who are just trying to live off the rebates or feed off the rebates. In in your view, Ria, do you think STCs are a good thing or a bad thing? Have they served their purpose? Can we, you know, if we pushed them off a cliff tomorrow, could we survive or, or do we still need them? Well, how many homes in Australia have got solar now? I think um, I was reading somewhere it was 3 million. Yeah, more than 3 million. Yeah, and how many homes in Australia exist that could actually be eligible for solar? Oh, um, somewhere 10 million, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think it should stay. I think it's a great incentive. I think um, it allows people to be more accountable for their energy. It means that um, homeowners can tap into their energy sources. They can look at battery storage. They can um, manage their bills. Um, if the return on investment stacks up for an individual or for a homeowner or a building owner, then why not? Why not keep the incentives? Um, not only do they help, you know, incentivise the uptake of um, renewables, but it also helps uh, for the net zero targets as well. Of course. And do you think do you think the scheme has the balance right of of you know being a big enough incentive to drive uptake versus um, you know not being so generous that it just attracts cowboys? I think so. I think they've found a balance now. Hmm. I would imagine so. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Now, uh, life as a trader isn't as easy or as rosy as it looks. And I know um, uh, I've I've watched story after story after story of, you know, the challenges. And and I know Fiona uh, faced some of those challenges head on in 
one of the most generous moves I've ever seen, actually taking a whole lot of responsibility for stuff that really was none of her doing and and uh, performed incredibly generously uh, in uh, a few years back. Um, and in the early days, it was, there was no doubt it was a breeding ground for, for some big collapses and some big sharks coming in just chasing rebates. What what's the key to you guys surviving and navigating for almost two decades? How have you oh managed gosh. to survive? She will, I think. Um, it's been an amazing journey. The 182 homes that we've replaced uh, for the counterfeit panels, I think that was mm. in 2015. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's been easy professionally or emotionally or personally um, running a family-owned business that has been so successful and so... Um, market focused um so yeah i think um it's just it, we also so not only do we aggregate and trade the certificates we also run a spec book as well so there's two facets to the business you know you have a retail side where you're dealing with the homeowners and installers and business owners yep and then you have a sophisticated trading entity that deals with the top 50 companies within australia who have the liable requirement so, you know, working across those two facets has been quite interesting. And I think um, both Fiona and I love a challenge. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of what she's achieved and, and I'm so proud of what I've been able to achieve. And the support of everybody in the industry has just been outstanding. I think, you know, it's we were a small industry and now we're, we're quite a large industry, but I think none of us have really lost touch with our friendships and relationships and working relationships as well over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. Yeah, well, that's that's clear from the way you guys hold your heads up so high and have, have done such such terrific, generous things over the years. Good on you. So, um, yeah, and that's a that's a it's a really good point actually that you make because you know so many people go, oh, STCs. What's an STC? Well, that's just a form that you fill out and you get a rebate payment that helps me discount my solar system. But actually, for that to actually work mechanically in the background you've got to find someone who's willing to buy them right so that's that's that other side of your business so there's a whole another trading side to the business that that you provide and basically take all that effort away from from installers having to do that trading and trying to find buyers right yeah 100 percent. and the liable entities they have a target so they have a liable requirement to purchase a certain amount of certificates each quarter so um it's quite complex you know, each quarter is a different percentage of their liability and then they have to purchase those from either the secondary market or direct from the trader, from yep. the aggregator. Wow, wow. And that fluctuates depending on the penalty. That also fluctuates depending on what happens in the spot market and the over-the-counter market. Yeah, for sure. And, of course, we've we've seen, I, I saw the other day, that someone got penalised for failure to surrender, which is not unheard of. So sometimes these large entities that are liable and are theoretically required to buy certificates, they just don't for whatever reason, right? And they, they pay penalties sometimes instead of buying certificates. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that's driven by whether or not they're going to be making more or less money by doing so or whether it's their corporate responsibility. So yeah. there's a lot of facets that come into why they would not surrender. Wow. There's an awful lot behind this business, isn't there? Um Let's uh, let's take a short break and hear a word from our sponsors. Solar Juice is Australia's leading solar distributor, providing complete residential and commercial rooftop solar component solutions. Solar Juice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality, and value for money. 
Like their panel brands, REC, Hyundai, Trina and Longy, their inverters, SMA, Fronius and Sungro, along with the Tesla Powerwall battery. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let SolarJuice help you become a great solar business. Great Solar Business is also brought to you by Solar Analytics. From just $40 a year, Solar Analytics can help solar owners save an extra $400 by recommending the ideal energy plan. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au. All right, welcome back. And please uh, don't forget to support our sponsors, the team at Solar Juice. Uh, help keep the wheels turning here at GSB. And we couldn't do it without you, team. So uh, thanks heaps. Uh, give us a like, give us a share uh, if you get the opportunity. All right, Ria, we're on the home straight now, but let's look to the future a little bit. Um, STCs are the main game in town, uh, so let's focus there. Is there a risk, and we have seen this in the past, but is there a risk of volatility or price collapse like we've seen in the past? We, we've got the, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but we've got the $40. The clearinghouse. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we've learned some good lessons over the years, in fact, with this scheme, which is one of the things I like about it. It's, it's self-adjusting. It theoretically <laughs> keeps tech with the, keeps, keeps up with the price of technology by going down over time. And the clearinghouse sort of theoretically keeps the volatility out of it. But, you know, we've seen it volatile before. Should retailers, and of course, we're moving towards the end of the scheme. So should retailers be, thinking about this in a different way? Is there volatility and the risk going up as we move towards the end of the scheme? Well, I'm not sure about the volatility. My biggest, um, I think right now they've set this year's target to about 42 to 46 million STCs. So mm-hmm. libel entities have to surrender every quarter leading up to next uh, February next year, February 14th, actually. Um, they have to do their last true up. But essentially, it depends if the, you know, going into an election, also looking at the renewable energy target, are they going to extend it? So I think the volatility is going to come into the market if they look at extending the target or extending the RET out past 2030, or if they add something like a battery uh, requirement or, you know, an upgrade facility or something like that, and they start tampering with the creation, you know, because uh, if we do get some of that, the there might be a surplus of STCs. Yeah, and they've been talking about that, right? There's, there's been some discussion, particularly from one of the one of the members of parliament, if I'm not mistaken, about trying to use the, the scheme to support batteries, as you say, right? Yeah, I believe there is. Yeah, I haven't um, looked at it myself, but I have heard the rumours. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yep. Okay. Sure. So so not not so much volatility, perhaps, but, you know, we've seen political tinkering with the scheme over the years <laughs> and that's entirely possible it is yeah for sure yeah, um, yeah but i think it's only positive that we have you know after cop 26 and you know after uh you know renewable energy carbon it's all on the agenda now and so i think that they're certainly not going to scrap it anytime soon it's just whether or not they're going to extend it into the future which will only drive prices up generally and i think that's why maybe the lgcs went you know, they ticked up a little bit the other week as well. So, right. Well, that was going to be my other other question. Actually, was that I saw that it was the first time LGC prices gone up in years, and mm. and um, is is that an emerging opportunity that you think solar businesses might be able to take advantage of over the next few years? Is that something that you think will keep going, or is it just a blip? 
I think if, if um, installers and, and companies want to diversify into the large space, uh, large scale solar space, I think it's definitely um, worth a shot for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, that has that is a very different beast to an STC, right? It doesn't. It it has been, you know, uh, the particularly the futures market because you 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 you're playing a sort of different game. It's you don't deem all of the, S, the LGCs up front like you do with STCs. With with LGCs, you can sort of get a price for the next year's worth, and then a couple of years out, you might end up with a different price, and you've got to kind of act like a stockbroker and take a position on whether you think they're going to be worth more or less in you know five years or whatever is that right yeah that's correct most people would do a power purchase agreement so whoever's buying the power would also purchase the lgcs with that with the large-scale solar system yeah right Um, so they become a, a small power generator and they would bundle up a power purchase agreement to facilitate the lgcs right right and then someone's got to collect them and Get a yeah, so you, for yeah, them. yeah, you create that through the clean energy regulator. You become a small power generator, and Green Bank provide that service as well. And then we create the LGCs. We can either keep the LGCs or we can hand them back to the operator, and they can trade them on their own behalf. Right. Yeah. Okay. You guys must really love paperwork. There must be so much paperwork in this. I remember we used to have faxes and the fax machine used to go off its head. And then we were even writing checks. It was it was really amazing. It's amazing where we've come from a technical, uh, you know, a tech side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, that is where technology has really helped us, isn't it? And, you know, the ability to use your phone on your, everyone's got a camera on their phone and they can scan barcodes now we've got the um, digital signatures digital signatures you don't have to drive 25 k's out to get another signature because the homeowner didn't sign the form i remember so many so many people were like oh the lady didn't sign the form yeah yeah huge right so in that sense we have made some progress and of course we've got the serial number validation scheme as well which is an anti-fraud mechanism that's sort of all been digitized now so yeah we've Boy, you must have seen enormous change in that digitisation and and you must have a big server. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I think we're processing and registering like 500 installs a week. So, you know, it's not it's we're not the largest anymore, but certainly we're not um, the smallest either. Right, right. And as you say, compliance, which for you means protection against fraud from someone doing the wrong thing and you know you only have to go and jump on the clean energy regulators website and you'll see enforceable undertakings that are still a reasonably regular occurrence and you guys have have got all sorts of mechanisms in place and i i see people on the on the socials complaining about how many things they have to do of course but everyone's got to try and protect themselves including you guys so that you don't get caught uh, in 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 the way that you you were caught up a few years back with with fraudulent panels, right? Yeah, I mean we we couldn't even tell because we're not on site, and I don't even think the installers knew that they were a counterfeit. You know, I think it was, it was a long time. It was a very big bow to tie. Um, it was it all came down to the internal panels of those, um, the internal framing of those panels. So it was quite significant, and that's where the SPV, the solar pa- panel validation scheme, came from. Was in 2015, Fiona was pushing for more compliance and a, and a way to find out whether or not they were parallel importing. And that's how that's get, that whole scheme came abreast. And then that took five years to even implement. So, you know, it's been a long and 
interesting journey trying to get um, across all these compliance requirements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, um, I mean... Uh, but I think, the only you know... Thing... Go on. You go. Sorry. I was just going to say we, we often talk about the permitting cost and the compliance costs in the US. So although we, we have an awful lot of regulation and an awful lot of paperwork and signatures required compared to some other parts of the world like the US, we we actually get off uh, relatively efficiently, I think. Yeah, and we do it as well, not just to protect Green Bank, but we're trying to protect our actual clients as well because, you know, if we're, if we're um, exposed, then, you know, obviously we our business won't run as efficiently. So we're, we're trying to make sure that we're not only have we got our, uh, our very loyal customers, so thank you to all our customers out there, um, but also, you know, making sure that we do we do weed out some of the um, the cowboys in the industry because it, it reflects badly on everybody, but at, at the same time we can protect our clients by protecting ourselves, by that, you know, ensuring that we have the right data and the right information. So we might ask for a 25-page document, but you know why. It's to obviously do a better job and be around for a longer period of time than others. Yep, yep. It's a never-ending battle. Uh, I'm actually writing a blog story in between other things at the moment about uh, how there's a seemingly never-ending stream of uh, cowboys still popping up left, right and centre. It just never ends, does it? I'd really love to see, though, the electrical, like NECA and the actual body. So we, we need to stop it from happening post-install. We really need to get together with all the major bodies within both the states and nationally and make sure that we, we fix the educational holes right from the beginning instead of mm. rectification at the end because hindsight's a great thing, but we really shouldn't even be allowing them. You know, there should be more education at the start of their electrical licence. Mm. So then, you know, there's really they don't have to be handheld at this end because really yep. the STCs happen after install. It's all about the, the wiring requirements, the installation requirements. So um, seeing it more mainstream would be great. Yeah. Yeah, you would think after all these years of the scheme that we, we should have these things addressed. And I guess, you know, the CER's uh, entrance into the the sort of pointy end of this industry and these new requirements that they've put in place are the beginning of 12 recommendations to to try and do some of that. So I think we have to keep this keep the pressure on the CER to try and help us continue to to improve and refine all right most last... people want to do the right thing most installers are fantastic and they want to do the right thing so you know it's a great industry to work within and it's a great industry to be an installer within as well that's so true that's so true and it's again it's that balance between you know letting letting the the, the honest people and the people who do want to do the right thing get on and do it without unnecessary costs but also keeping enough barriers up so that it's uh it's not so easy for everyone to just jump in and, and try and make a quick buck all right last question before we wrap it up you've got uh a very fortunate position in the industry uh, seeing so many trades happen and all those systems going through your, your books every month you you've got a great view on you know whether the industry is growing or declining um, because of your position as a trader. What, what's your crystal ball telling you? Uh, you know we've just just finished the first quarter of the year. What do you think is going to happen this year, Ria? In, in, in according to your crystal ball, do you think it's going to be bigger, smaller, 
same as last year. What, what if it could just stop raining for a little bit, that might be helpful. <laughs> um, <laughs> the rain is not helping. And the rain is certainly not helping. Um, I actually think it's going to be a fantastic year, um, both for solar oh. and energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, large scale um, is going to be going well as well. With the New South Wales scheme, they've just released um, water heating a water heating um, esky rebate for a replacement water heating. So anyone in New South Wales um, that is has a um, an old water heater, they can now replace that and they can create STCs and they can create eskies. So Green Bank have their iPad application and now we'll be generating those eskies for um, for New South Wales. So you know it's a fantastic um, incentive and I think most states going to be picking up on on those things moving forward and again moving towards that more energy efficiency. Um, net zero focus about, you know, where do we get our energy from? What do we do with our energy? But also, you know, how do we uh, reduce our energy consumption is also on the agenda. So it's an exciting time to be alive, to be honest. It's fantastic. It's finally here. um, And I can't wait to see what happens over the next few years and be a part of it. Oh, good on you. Good on you. Well, it's nice to hear someone so bullish about this year. There's a bit of, bit of, bit of nervousness from some of the people I've been talking to. And, uh, uh, but good on you. You've got a positive view. Ria, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. But sadly, we're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Nigel. Have a great day. Thanks very much, Ria. Uh, well, friends, that's a wrap. My name is Nigel Morris, and I'm Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. I hope you picked up some tips on how to build a great solar business, and I'll speak to you again soon. Great Solar Business was brought to you by Solar Juice, Australia's leading solar distributor. Solar Juice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality, and value for money. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let Solar Juice help you become a great solar business. Great Solar Business was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. You can now offer Solar Analytics from just $40 per year by connecting it directly to Fronius and SunGrow inverters. No additional hardware required, just extra value. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au.